So like I said, tonight I want to talk about hope. Um, the Word is in our text, so if you were able to watch the video that I made earlier this week, I'm just kind of walking through the, um, the, these first 13 verses of chapter 15, and just kind of explaining, explaining those verses. Um, the word hope is mentioned four times. And specifically, Paul is encouraging um, the, the Romans, the, the Christians in Rome. Uh, in verse 4, he says, The scriptures were given to us um, to give us hope through endurance and encouragement. In verse 12, it says, The Gentiles will hope in the root of Jesse. Now, it's something I didn't explain in the video, but the root of Jesse. Jesse is the dad of David. So King David, Jesse is his dad. So the root of Jesse would be a descendant of David's, and everyone knows that Jesus is this, this long-awaited descendant of David. And so in other words, the Gentiles will hope in Jesus, is what verse 12 is saying. And then verse 13, it has it twice. It says, God is the God of hope. So think about that. He is the God of hope. And so it makes sense that, that Paul goes on to say, in a prayer that he, he prays that as they believe, that they would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so before I talk about hope, before we get into what hope is and what hope isn't, um, I want to talk about something that can easily erode hope in us, if you let it. So I want to, I want to start by telling a story of my son. So in 2011... In February of 2011, it was my first full year to be the college minister at, at the table at Sunnybrook, and, um, and it was the first Sunday in, in February. So many of you know what that Sunday is. We were hosting a game at my house, a very big game, but, uh, a watch party, if you will, a watch party of a, of a really famous football game, but also a watch party for um, uh, and reveal of some like awesome commercials. So depending on what you're there for, is what you're there for. And so my son was especially excited because, well, he loves, he loves sports and he loves people. And like both were converging on, on our home um, that day. And so he was pumped about it. He was four years old. And, uh, and, and I, I found out later why he was so excited. So people come in, they put their snacks and they, they start filling their plates and then they sit down. And I can't remember if it was a commercial or if it was the kickoff, but whatever it was, everybody was just kind of tuned in to the TV. And my son gets up in front of everyone. He turns his back to the TV and faces everyone just like, all right, now the party can begin. And he just, he starts doing the first thing that comes into his mind. He, he's dancing, he's, he's like standing on his head and barking like a dog, or he's, he's doing anything he can do to get people to look at him and to laugh. And I was like, Trace, what are you doing? Move. <laughs> like You're in the way. Move. And he wouldn't move. And I had to kind of call him over. And it took a lot to get him to get out from in front of everyone to come over to me. And, I'm, and I'm, as I'm looking at him, trying to explain to him, like, no, we're, we're watching this. That this, is not your, this is not you time. He's like looking at me, but also looking at everyone else. He's not paying attention. Uh, but when I finally had to kind of get his attention to help him see... Like, this is not about you. I realized in that moment, like, his expectations 
where the people are going to come over and then he's going to get up in front of them and they're just going to love every minute of it. And um, and his experience fell way short of his expectation and he was really upset. And so uh, I, I've thought about that moment a lot because, because that's happened to me. Um, like going through life and you enter into a moment and, and you saw it going one way, you saw it going down a certain way and and then you get into it and it's like, this is not what I expected. This is not how I thought this was going to go. And oftentimes it's, it's, it's discouraging uh, or it's disappointing. And, and even sometimes it can just be like, um, well, debilitating. And so I want to talk about something that I think um, erodes hope in us is when our experiences fall short of our expectations in life. And I think it's easy to lose hope. I think it's easy to, to be discouraged when those things happen. Um, and none of us, so think about, think about three months ago, the first time you heard of the coronavirus, um, none of you thought, like, this is where you would be. None of us saw this coming. None of us saw being cooped up in our homes, um, being quarantined. None of us saw doing everything online, classes online, being disconnected from relationships you had worked hard to establish this year. Like None of us saw any of this coming. And yet here we are. And so, um, so I have some bad news. And I, and, I, and I want to share some bad news before I can get to the good news. But the bad news is, I get used to this. And what I mean by that is get used to your, ex, your experiences, meeting your, ex, meeting your expectations, and falling short big time. Um, because it happens in life. And I'm not saying that to like bum you out. I'm saying that because it's a reality. It's, it's, it's a common, it's our common human experience to, to walk into an, to a moment and to ha- think it's going to go one way, not even know that you have that expectation, and then all of a sudden realize this is not how I wanted it to go, and be disappointed. And so uh, I asked our alumni, so we have a, an alumni Facebook group, I asked our alumni just a simple question. Tell me about a time or some times when your experiences fell short of your expectations. And I, I think I'm up to 31, 32 responses just in the last day and a half, um, way more than I, way more than I thought would actually happen. And so I want to try to summarize some things they said. Okay, now some of you are freshmen and you've got four or five years for this. Some of you are close to graduating and moving on, and this could be close. This could be in the next year. Some of these things, the next year or two, for you. But. I thought it was really insightful, some of the things they gave, and I think they'd be helpful. So here, here they are. Things like, finding a church community is harder and different than they expected. Friendships require a lot more energy than they expected. Churches don't tailor things for you like they did in college. It's harder to fit in as a single adult than, than expected. Making time with the Lord is harder than expected. 
your parents and others will have expectations placed on you that, that, um, that you did not expect, that you did not see coming. Money doesn't go as far as it did in college. Relational accountability is harder to find than expected. Friends you never expected stop going to church. Not finding the kind of church you want where you live. People at your job um, aren't friendly to you when you when you start. This job that you've been looking forward to getting and you arrive and then they're like, yeah, whatever. Get in, get in your place, get in line. The degree that you spent four years working towards and paying for, um, you get a job in that area and you find out you hate. And then probably the hardest one I got was just one word, divorce. So all of these are former students of ours at the table. All of them have been, been here and were involved, like a lot of you, and, and were met by just life. This is like, this is life. And, and their experiences um, encountered in this moment what they thought their expectations were, and, and, and they fell short. And they've all experienced different levels of disappointment. And so all of us do this. All of us go through these moments. And what all of us tend to do in those moments is try to immediately try to figure out what's going on, to look for answers, to, um, to try to make sense of it all, to explain it. And I have found that my, my natural tendency is to try and make sense of, of these things in my head, to try to like work it out, um, to, to see what went wrong. And sometimes there's things that I can learn from. Sometimes there's things that I can um, not do again or that I can do different and it, it can change the outcome. But then other times there's things that are out of my control that I, that I don't know what to do with, that I don't know how to explain. And so I don't know what eats you up more if it's when you experience something and, and you realize, I could have... I could have changed something and it would have gone better. I don't know if, if it eats you more that the things that you can control and you didn't, or if there's things that are out of your control and they don't go your way. I don't know which one eats you up more, but, but in almost every kind of moment in life where you re- reach this moment and it's disappointing or discouraging, both of those elements are involved. There's things that, yeah, you can, you can learn from, you can grow in, you can... Uh, be more disciplined in or, or something. There's, some, there's things you can learn and you can do different next time. But there's also always lurking in the background something, somewhere that, that you have no control of and that you can't change and, and that you just have to at some level accept. And, and it's in those moments, I think, that, that really you find out what faith you have. Um, there, there's a book by a guy named A.J. Conyers called The, the Eclipse of Heaven. And A.J. Conyers um, writes this book, and it's all about why it's important for us to understand and, and, to, and to, to think about the transcendent God that we serve. He, he, the whole book is about why transcendence is so important for us. And because all of us 
if without transcendent, transcendence is just a, a fancy word for something that rises above, something that is above all things. And, and we believe God is transcendent. He, he is above all things. And he's, and he's describing the importance of being able to recognize that I need God <laughs> and I need his transcendence. Because in those moments where things go south and, and I can't explain them and, and I can't fix them, if, if I'm just grasping at things that I can control, then I'm really, it's a short-term win. It's short-term wins that ultimately can lead to even, even greater, greater levels of discouragement and distraction and, and frustration. But the bad news is um, the bad news is also good news. Like the, the bad news that you and I are going to experience these things is also good news. Uh, because as as I saw in so many of the alumni's posts, it, there was this element of, yeah, this is what I went through, and this is what I learned from it, and this is how God met me in it, and this is how I grew in it. The bad news is the good news. Because the bad news um, can can produce these moments where you can lean on Christ more, where you can lean on His community more and you can look back and thank God for 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 that experience that you went through. You can look back and see how God worked and moved in in your life and it can be a great blessing to you. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans 5. Romans 5 uh, I think is a huge chapter in this book and especially this first first half and so 3 through 5 gives us a, a picture. We talked about this sometime maybe back in October, November maybe, early November. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in our, afflicti- our afflictions. It sounds real similar to the, vo- to the verse that Drew taught last week in James. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So this, this, this process of being formed into God's image, this process of going through difficult times that produces a character, that produces a hope in us, um, that is essential for us. So these, exper- these experiences can lead to greater levels of growth and relationship with God, but they can also lead to like a loss of hope. But the really good news about our life is not that our hope, or is that our hope is not based on having great experiences in the future. My hope is not centered in whether my life turns out the way I want to turn, want it to turn out or not. Um, there's a Scottish theologian named P.T. Forsyth, and in 1907, He said these words, and I think they're profound. I'd love for you to write them down if you're taking notes. 
He said, if within us we find nothing over us, we succumb to what is around us. If within us we find nothing over us, we succumb to what is around us. If within us we find nothing over us, we succumb to what is around us. This is why I hate Disney movies. I Actually, I like Disney movies. I hate the message of Disney movies. Sorry, Ryan. Um, so, the, and, I, and I, this is a little bit of a soapbox, but hey, I'm the only one in this room and I, and I have the power, so I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Frozen 2, okay? Frozen 2, my, my son loves this show. He, we got done watching Frozen 2. He said, that's the best movie I've ever seen. What? Anyway, the, the, the song at the end, okay, when Elsa, is that her name? Is that the, 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 the chick that has ice coming out of her fingers? Is that Elsa? I don't know. Yes? Okay, I see a nod heading, uh, a head nodding. Um, Elsa's sing- like this whole the whole show is her longing to find something that's out there, and and what she finds is someone telling her to look within, and that all that she's been longing for has been right there within her the whole time. Now, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, cool, but I don't think they're talking about the Holy Spirit. I think they're talking about a follow your heart on steroids. Um, And so this idea that if we look within us and we find nothing over us, if we just look within us and find ourselves, then what he's saying is we're going to succumb to what is around us. We're going to succumb to the things that affect us, like like circumstances that you encounter and all of a sudden you're disappointed with the way things go. And it can lead to all kinds of things. So I believe that when we lose hope, we lose sight of God and His purposes for us, which is, by the way, over us. I believe that when we lose faith in what God can do, we, when we lose hope, we lose faith in what God can do around us. So by losing hope in God, we, we lose sight of His purposes for us, which is over us, and we lose faith in what He can do around us. He can change. He can change what's within us, and he can change how we deal with and how we handle things around us. John Piper said that when we don't believe our future is secure and satisfied in God, then we will be excessively anxious. That when we don't believe our future is secure and satisfied in God, then we will be excessively anxious. Now, I don't think he means that any form or any kind of anxiety that we experience is just a result of not trusting God. I don't think he's saying that. I think he's, I think he's talking about real things. Um, I think some fears, you, can be t- you and I can be taught to be afraid and to be worried. And you and I can learn to worry about things that... Um, we shouldn't worry about. So I think he's de- I think he's describing those kinds of things. But believing that your future is secured and satisfied in God. 
think about that. What would it mean for you to believe that your future is secured and satisfied in God? And it doesn't mean that, oh, everything that I want will come true. Everything that I want my life to, to happen in my life will happen. That's not, that's not necessarily, my dreams will happen. That's not necessarily it, but it's secured and satisfied in God, knowing that He is there. Wherever you go into the future, He is there to meet you. My family has been talking about um, the idea that God is both eternal and eminent. This idea that He is, He always has and always will be. And, and, and what makes Him distinct from other gods or worldviews is that God is eminent. He's close. So that means no, no matter where I am in the future, when I encounter something I don't expect that doesn't go the way I think it should go, God is there, and he's not surprised. So hope is not wishing something good happens in the future. Hope is this. Christian hope is this. Confident assurance in what our faithful God has promised for the future. It's confident assurance in what our faithful God has promised in the, for the future. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what, is se- of what is not seen. The reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. So our hope comes from the promises of God in the work of Christ. Let me say that again. Our hope comes from the promises of God in the work of Christ. And the work of Christ, if you remember, we talked about this quite a bit in the first semester and a little bit earlier this semester. The work of Christ is what determines God's opinion of you. And so we we said this idea that um, let God's opinion of you define you and let let, um, Christ's death determine God's opinion of you. Like what Jesus did on the cross is, is the determining factor of God's opinion of you. And our hope comes from that. Our hope comes from the promises of God in the work of Christ. Romans 8 came to mind quite a bit. Specifically, these, these four sections. Verse 18, Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing to the, to the glory that will be revealed in us. Um. That verse, when I was putting it to memory, I got to that verse and I could not get past it. I had to sit with it for several days, I think a couple weeks, honestly, because it was this idea, what Paul's saying, right before that he says um, that if we, if we suffer with Christ, like all these things are true if we suffer with Him. And then he says, but our suffering, he goes, I, I'm convinced that, not, that our suffering doesn't even compare to the glory that will be revealed in us, and, and I, what he's saying is that the, the the difficulty and circumstances and things that we go through, where where we're discouraged or or discontent um, or disappointed, that that what God God's doing something bigger than just what He's doing inside of me to grow my character. That there's things that are being revealed about Him that point others to Him. The glory that will be revealed. 
in us. Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. And he says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? He says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, then we wait for it patiently. Who hopes for what they already have? And so he's describing um, a, a future a future hope, um, things that we can look forward to. Uh, and, and particularly in the context, he's describing creation groaning for God to make all things right. And even us, he says, even us, we, as the first fruits of God's righteousness, also groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. And so there is this longing for God to make come and make all things right. And that's what he's describing. We wait for it patiently. Verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, Christ? How, God, not only, he didn't even spare his own son for us, he gave us his son. How will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? There is promise, and because of what Christ did on the cross, there is promise that, that reveals something about who God is and, and reveals His giving nature to us. And I'm reminded of Jesus' words in, in Matthew 6. I don't know if you've, been, if you've read those words. The last half of Roman, or sorry, Matthew 6. Did I say Roman 6? Matthew 6. The last half of Matthew 6, Jesus talks about um, anxiety. He talks about what you should worry about, what you shouldn't worry about. And he, des- he describes things like um, birds and, and flowers and how God um, takes care of them. How much more will he for us? Romans 8.34 is my, right now, currently, don't laugh, but currently my favorite verse in Romans 8. It says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, was raised to life, is seated in next to the Father, and is also interceding for us. He is at the right hand of the Father, and He is also interceding for us. Drew talked about this. I don't know if you remember this. I re- this stuck out to me. Right there is the, I mean, that's the gospel. He died for us. He was raised to life. He's, he's seated next to God, which means He reigns in power and authority over all things, and He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. That's that's huge. That's hope. And now turn to 1 Peter 3. Sorry, 1 Peter 1. Turn to 1 Peter 1. Verses 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. It's a hope that is alive. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That is a huge verse reminding us of what we have in Christ. Last Turn back to Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6, starting in verse 17. 
It says, because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the, of, of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I don't have time to get into who this Melchizedek character is, but that is a very rich idea. But did you notice the, the analogy that he used for hope? You know, oftentimes I think about hope as this thing that I look, hope is like, to, in, in, a lot of times me portrayed in this way, or even the way I think about it, it's something off in the distance. It's like a sunrise, it's, or it's like a sunset. It's something off, it's beautiful, I can't reach it. But his de- depiction of hope is an anchor. Think about a ship in the middle of the ocean being tossed in, by a storm, throwing an anchor down to keep it strong secured and strong. So hope is this beautiful thing. First of all, he is the God of hope. And and we are called to have hope in him because of his promises that are all all came in uh, and it um, culminated in the work of Christ. But he is he, he is hope is something that we long that it allows us to long for. And it's this, it, it, gets, it gets our eyes to look up and look beyond the circumstances of the moment. A.J. Conyers in his book, it's my favorite quote from this book, and I've remembered it ever since I read it in college, that hope has the power to leap beyond the circumstances of the moment. And that's why we need a God who is above all these things, who's above viruses and economies and jobs and um, schooling and education and relationships. We need a God who is above all those things because um, that's where our hope is. It's in Him. And also, it is our hope in Him is also an anchor that keeps us strong and secure, not tossed back and forth like the wind by the wind and the waves. So I want to end by simply praying Romans 15:13. Because it's a beautiful prayer that Paul prays. So I'm going to give you a minute. And then I'm going to pray this prayer. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy 
and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate the word, man. Um, you know, it was just kind of some of my own reflections on, on some of what your, your thoughts. Uh, I, I think you, you said that often that, that hope falls short a lot of times or, or that we lose hope sometimes when our expectations and our experience collide and they don't match up. And I think that's one of the interesting things about expectations is a lot of times you don't actually even realize you have them until they're broken. They talk that a lot, a lot in premarital counseling. Basically what you're doing in premarital counseling is you're trying to help this young couple see how many expectations they have that they don't even know. These expectations that she's always going to be doing this or that he'll never do this or those things. And you don't even know you have them until they, until, uh, they, they get broken until someone fails to meet them. And that's when, that's when you get so hurt in those things. Um, but I was, I was thinking as you're saying that, that I think that that's, that's also true actually for hope itself, that a lot of times we place our hope in these other things. We place our hope in the, the next job that's lined up or in this relationship or whatever. And a lot of times we don't know that we've got our hope in non-transcendent things as you spoke about uh until until we start to lose those things until those things get threatened and a lot of times that's when we realize man that we've placed them in 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 false things um i, I read this uh this quote from a, a preacher by the name of ray ortland uh, this week and he said if if your hope cannot outlast you then how can it sustain you and the idea is if, if I've wrapped up my hope in things that are temporary, then that something like that, be it my education or, or my health or whatever it is, that, that that doesn't have the ability to sustain me. So I appreciate that pointing to the transcendence towards God himself and the assurance of his plans for our lives. That's like the anchor because everything else here is going to keep moving around on us. If we try to stick our anchor in it, we're going to mm-hmm. find that anchor getting moved around and so i appreciate that word a lot man um just so you guys know if, if you have questions uh right now uh you're more than welcome to to type those in those will go to to myself i don't know if scott if they'll show up for you or not but i can read those out to you um as we as we get into it let me let me i'm gonna go ahead and just ask you one real quick scott before anything comes in um so when expectations get dashed, when you find that your hope has been in something else, something that's not um, not God, something that's not transcendent, like what actual like practical steps do you take to actually anchor yourself in? It's, it's one thing for me to know my hope should be in God. My hope should be in his future. Like how, what are some practical steps I take to make that happen, to, to move my hope into him? Well, I would say, you know, what I've learned about expectations is all of us have them, and we have them all the time, and we don't even know what they are until until we're met in the moment, until they collide. And so I've learned that my reaction to, to those expectations not being what I thought um, 
is is not is not always good at first, and and so I've ha- I've had to learn to have patience with myself, and realize, okay, wow, that one caught me off guard, and and it's 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 rarely in the moment. It's always later on. It's usually probably first thing in the morning, honestly. It's or it's it's if it's if it happens early on in the day, it's it's as I I get some distance from the initial shock of the disappointment to. Okay, so what what's changed? What has really changed? What's true? And so the, I guess the pra- the practical things, Philippians four eight honestly has been a verse that I can walk through and say, okay, Paul, Paul says, you know, now whatever's true, whatever's noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy, think about those things. And so that verse is helpful because that verse I I can say, okay, what is true? What is true about me? What is true about God? What is true about that person? What is true about what is true about these this thing? What was I? What was promised to me? Nothing, you know. Or what did I? Why did I think that that way had to be the only way it could happen? And so I can, I can begin to, in some ways, work through the process by saying, okay, what's true, God, and and then, and you know, and then giving some time for the emotion to kind of subside is helpful. Because if I make if I make decisions and reactions when the emotions are there, it's rarely rarely good for me or people around me. Um, but I, so it's working through what's true, and then and then just that next morning with God is where I can go. Okay, I've had some time, you know, and now I can really. And then I have to go back and repent where I need to repent, or apologize where I need to apologize, or. Or come back and say, okay, so when I reacted this way, this is what was going on. I didn't even know it, but I had this expectation. It's not fair to you, or whatever. So, it's good. Um, it touches on actually a little bit the first question we got, um, which is this: Does putting your hope in the right thing, God and His plan, does that get easier with age? Do you, Scott and Drew, feel like you are better at this? than you were at our age. Now, I should probably let Scott speak to this because he's got way more age than me. And so he's, uh, he's able to speak to what it's like to get older and, uh, and have that stuff happen, you know. But, but you know, I will say, I, I, think to, uh, I think one of the things that makes it easier is what Scott talked about, um, the good and bad news of having expectations dash and hope like as you get older you start to find that these again these things you had hope in you start to realize how they disappoint you You, the the longer you go the more you get to be disappointed lucky you um and the more you get to find that man this thing that i thought was like the end-all be-all when i got to it the thing i i had all these anticipations for um it, it was not that satisfying it did not make me feel less worried. It did not make me feel more secure. So I don't know if, if you necessarily, I don't know if I've necessarily gotten way more mature, but, but just life itself starts to knock some of that out of you. If you respond rightly, you're able to see, man, this was not what I thought it would be. And, and to be able to sit and look on those things. I don't know, Scott, if you have thoughts on that. Ask the question again. Um, does putting your hope in the right thing, that is, does putting your hope in God, um, does that get easier with age? Do you feel like you're better at this than you were when you were in college? Oh, definitely. I mean, definitely better at it. I mean, yeah, I can say that with, with full confidence. Now, 
it doesn't it doesn't assure that it never happens. Just um, just better at recognizing it. You know, again, it's that going through it enough times to 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 like, okay, I'm tired of being caught off guard. What is happening? Oh, I have expectations about everything. I have millions of expectations about the rest of my life that I don't even know I have, and and I have to be gracious with myself as I enter into those moments and, and experience it and then, okay, God, how do I work through this with you? And so definitely better at, at, at handling it and definitely even, um, you know, in some ways, kind of like a, kind of like a domino effect when you, when you have, when, when you change your mind about something, it all of a sudden has a domino effect and where you go, okay, yeah, I've, I've already dealt with that. So if I get sick, so right now, in all honesty, I have a heart condition that um, happened, started uh, right at 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. Uh, this May, it'll be 10 years ago. So where my heart goes into AFib, and and it doesn't come out unless I'm in the hospital and they have to shock me um, back into normal rhythm. So that's happened three times in the last 10 years. Um, and I've been told by doctors that that's, it's just going to, continue happening until I have an ablation or have some sort of, take some sort of really strong medication. So, so like the first time that happened, it's like, whoa, but, but it's like, okay, yeah, what did I, what did I expect just because I'm whatever in shape or that I'm, that I'm not ever going to have health issues. So no amount of push-ups is going to take away my heart condition. Um, so, okay. So now when it, when it happens again, it's like, yeah, so if I get sick or if I, it's like I've worked through that, so now I don't have to work through that again. So in that sense, the domino effect is really helpful. There is a momentum, I think, that happens in, in, in putting your hope in the right things, but it doesn't assure that you are never caught off guard or never disappointed again or whatever. That's good. Um, here's another question that came in. How do I know if I am not putting my hope in God? How can I tell that I'm not putting my hope in God? Scott, you got anything you, you want to say to that first? Uh, you know, I think the this is with that quote. Um, are you, well, the question would be, am I succumbing to what is around me? Am I letting outside things, circumstances, specifically circumstances or, um, yeah, circumstances. Am I letting those affect and determine how I feel about life and if I'm good or not good, um, you know, and, 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 you know, we could talk about identity type things, you know, you know, if I have enough money in the bank, do I feel secured? If, if, if people like me, do I feel secured or do I feel whatever? If, if I'm working towards this job that I really want and so therefore it brings a lot of security, but if that doesn't, if that changes, you know, so I've had to work through work identity, you know, when things at work were good, I was good. When things weren't good, I wasn't good and had to begin to recognize like, wait a second, what, what is my hope in, um, here? And, and so I think life just kind of reveals that to you. And, and, and again, I want to say, just be, be gracious with yourself as you're learning what God is showing you. And, and see it as a good thing. God revealing to you these things is a, is a really, really good thing. So, Yeah, I mean, I would, I would just jump on that briefly and say, 
you know, like I said, one of the ways you find out where you're, if you've got your hope in something else is when it, when it's taken away or when you, when you, when it looks like you might lose it yeah. and, and you freak out. It's, 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 if you're disappointed, if you're sad, that's, that's not the same yeah. as yeah, 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 freaking yeah. out. It's okay to be sad when, yeah. when dreams are dashed. It's okay to be down or disappointed, all those things. But if you feel like you won't be okay, like I can't be okay, then that's a good way to know. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe you have a way to know ahead of time. I've, uh, I think it's Keller who asks this about Tim Keller about how to know what your idols are, which that's, that's sometimes a good definition of an idol is something you place all your hope in. Um, a good way to know what your idols are is uh, asking the question, what do you daydream about and what are your nightmares about? Um, so what kind of things do you, do you find when no one's making you think about anything and you've got the chance to just sit there and think, what kind of things do you daydream about the stuff that you just fantasize about having or look forward to or those kinds of things? And then what are your nightmares? What are the things that the thought of losing them terrifies you? Um, those are some good, I think those are some good kind of little diagnosis questions. Those are, those are really good questions. And I want to add some, what you said, um, discouragement and disappointment and all those things those are normal things that if i'm not saying at all if you've experienced those things that somehow your hope's not in god that's not it at all yeah. um, i'm describing more of a despair more of something that um, like you said it, like life is over i can never be happy again because of these kinds of things it's if the, if there's a despair um then that that reveals something but just discouragement and and you know discontentment and all those things those are natural normal things that all of us experience and feel christian non-christian all of it um and so but it's but it but it can be a great opportunity to say okay god my hope is in you it's good um okay uh that's all we got for for right now i think we're gonna go ahead uh you want to try it scott to break up in the groups again? Yeah. Sure. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try this um, for tonight. We'll see how it goes. We're going to send you back into your groups uh, for just a few minutes. And, and all we want to do is instead of us praying you out tonight, we want one person in your group to pray you out tonight. You can take a, you can take a minute. Not everyone's got to share. Only one person prays. Um, but if there's something specific, you can ask. And if there's something specific in your group that you'd like prayer for, you can mention that. And then, uh, and then one of you guys can pray him out. Do you want him to just, do you want to say, we'll just go from there or do you want him to come back in after that? Yeah, we'll just, we'll end it there. Okay. You can just leave that, leave that group and then you should be able, or you may even be able to leave the meeting down in the bottom right corner, um, from there, but I'll give you, I'll give you, yeah, four or five minutes there and, uh, and then I'll, I'll end the meeting from there. But Hey, we love all you guys. Um, it is, uh. It's good to get to see your faces, and and as much as we wish we could just be with you, it's just really good to be see your faces. And encourage, honestly, this is encouraging for me when I get on here and I get to log on and see you guys coming in and hanging out with us and stuff. It it does my heart good, and so I appreciate it a lot. I also like this because like I went and mowed the lawn and didn't even have to shower. I stink right now. It's okay. <laughs> I can just come to the table anyway like this. So it's kind of nice. Um, we might do this from here on out. Um, anyway, love you guys. I'm going to send you into your breakout rooms and, uh, and then just some one person pray us out and we'll see you guys next week.